Ron Van Dam. He's got what the kids call mad skills, which he thought meant he was really good at being angry about everything. Well, live and learn. This is the Ron Van Dam Show on New England Broadcasting. The following program is brought to you in living color. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. It's the Ron Van Dam Show. Whatever. Hold on tight, things can get a bit weird, if you like that sort of thing. Hey, welcome to the program. It is the Ron Van Dam Show. I am Ron Van Dam. Whatever. Hey, thanks for stopping by. I won't take up too much of your time, just a small sliver of your life. So sit down, relax, I'll take it from here. Thank you, thank you. We get it, you have a theme song, we understand that. And there's your fade out. Hey, thank you for being here, my pleasure, let's get started. Uh, I was watching the news last night, and I should never do that. I, I never watch the news at night. It'll just, you'll never be able to sleep because there's so much going on of so much consequence that if you follow the news, you can drive yourself absolutely insane. You kind of feel like you're responsible for everybody on the planet when indeed you're not. But the burden of the world is upon your shoulders as soon as you watch the news. Oh, my God. I, I guess, need to know about everything that happens all across the earth. <laughs> I need to learn about surveys of what a couple of people thought. I, I, I need to know about horrible things and people dying and people being sick. And I, I guess I need to know that for some reason. When I was growing up, I didn't need to know it. For some reason, they think now I do. Well, it's causing great uh, stress and anxiety. So I don't watch the news at night. But last night, I did by mistake. It was a horrendous mistake. And something pissed me off. <laughs> really, Ron? <laughs> oh, whoa, declare a holiday. Something pissed you off? That's sarcastic, by the way. That's a sarcastic uh, deal. Yes, yeah, something pissed me off. Uh, it's it's an it's an app, an app, which is short for application because we just don't have time to say the whole word. It takes so much time to do that. Uh, do, you, do you have the application downloaded? Oh, stop wasting my time with all these words. Just say app. I know how to spell app. Application, not too sure. I have to look that up. But app, app, make everything short. Shorten everything. Uh, you know who the major culprit of shortening words was? Television. Television. Yeah. We call it TV. I don't have time to say television. Too long. Takes too long. If I strung together all the times I said television instead of TV, I would have lost 72 years of my life just saying that one word. All right, stop. There's a news story about TikTok. 
which is an app. I don't understand. I don't have a TikTok. (laughs) Sounds like a euphemism for penis, doesn't it? But it's not. TikTok is uh, some kind of uh, social media thing where uh, I guess you do a video of you doing something stupid. Well, there's a nice way to spend your life. Uh, TikTok has challenges on it, and what it does, uh, these kids and teenagers, they take them seriously. They think it's fun to be challenged, but the challenges are uh, often uh, deadly or painful. I guess kids are into that. (laughs) You kids today, hey, if you ever want to uh, sound old, use the phrase in passing. Just use the phrase, Oh, those kids today. Kids today. It's it's a very, very odd. The kids of today (laughs) are the schmucks of tomorrow. I don't understand it. Anyway, uh, the TikTok uh, thing, uh, kids take videos. These kids today, they're taking videos. You know it's a TikTok thing if the video is in the middle of the screen and there's a big black space on the left and a big black space on the right and the video is like in the center in a skinny little screen. I don't know why. Here's a little message for TikTok users. Turn your phone horizontally. You'll fill up the whole screen. Just a tip. I'm not a tech wizard or anything like that. I've just found in my travels that, uh, yeah, if you turn the phone horizontally, then you don't have the spaces on both ends. A tip from Ron to you. Totally free. A tip for the kids today. This TikTok thing, which I believe is uh, run by the Chinese government, I have no idea. Um <laughs> Hey, how do we find out about, uh, find out about society in the United States? Let's create an app and have all the kids on it and ask them to do things that'll challenge them as far as their fatality is concerned. TikTok challenges are dangerous and stupid. And parents are very concerned about their kids, the kids today on uh, on TikTok. Um about a year ago, there was a TikTok challenge to uh, kids in public schools and in schools to go into your public school bathroom and trash it and vandalize it, uh, pull the sinks uh, out of the wall, destroy the plumbing, um, shove a crap into the urinal so that they don't work. Ha, 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 ha. That's your challenge. Are you serious? TikTok should have been banned from society. From that alone. But TikTok has other things. It, it, it asks kids to take chemicals and, and ingest them um, until they just about pass out but don't quite kill themselves. I don't know. I guess kids today, these kids today, I guess they're into uh, great pain and uh, nearly killing themselves. I, I, I guess it's a thing. <laughs> Self-mutilation, I guess it's a thing. This is what TikTok does. Well, here's the newest TikTok challenge to the the, the precious uh, kid generation, the kids today. TikTok, oh my God. Uh, 
It's such a stupid name for such a stupid thing. Here's a challenge. When I was uh, younger, there was a commercial on television. And it was uh, a giant pitcher of Kool-Aid. And it, uh, this giant pitcher of Kool-Aid was running around refreshing people who were hot and sweaty uh, in the summer. Because Kool-Aid is uh, such a refreshing drink. Uh, you've probably never had Kool-Aid. That's a generation thing. This picture of Kool-Aid had a face on it. And it had feet. And the picture went running around uh, uh, quenching people's thirst. Which I guess is a purpose in life. And uh, the way it would work, there'd be a couple of kids uh, you know, near the pool uh, or something like that or uh, doing yard work, which kids don't really do. And they would be sweating and, oh, we're so thirsty, we're sweating. And then this giant pitcher of Kool-Aid with feet would come crashing through the fence or crashing through the wall and, um, and, and, and quench everybody's thirst. And the kids would go, look, it's the Kool-Aid man. Well, that's the challenge. It's the Kool-Aid Man Challenge on TikTok, and it's for the stupid kids, as it always is. And here's what the challenge is. And by the way, the kids don't even know what Kool-Aid is, to be honest with you. <laughs> that was a previous generation, so I don't really understand how this happens. But anyway, here's the challenge. Uh, kids, what you do is um, you run at full speed toward a fence, and you break through it just like the Kool-Aid man used to do through walls. You could break through a wall if you want to, but you'll probably kill yourself. A fence, you'll have broken bones, but you'll probably live through it. So kids are actually doing this. They're running full speed toward a fence, uh, a wooden fence, a uh, one of those vinyl fences, you know, the tall ones. They, and they break through them and they break the fences. But it's not just in their yard because their parents would kill them. They do it uh, through neighborhoods. They'll just run around and break break fences, and it's called the Kool Aid Man Challenge. Um, I I know what you're saying. I don't understand it either. Parents are freaking out, and the only parents would freak out are if they know that their kids are that freaking stupid to do that. I don't understand the TikTok. I I don't get it. You have people standing in front of a camera, uh, puckering up and, 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 and moving their body and twerking, and I don't even know what that means, and running through fences and pulling out toilets on video. See, here's the funny thing about TikTok. You're asked to vandalize and do horrible things to property and basically kill yourself, but put it on video so everybody can see you do it. <laughs> It's, it's a display of stupidity. It's also great evidence for the police. <sighs> Every day that I learn about something like this, I wonder if social media is really necessary. Now, if you own a business, social media is extremely, extremely important because it's your method of advertisement. It's your method of stalking the public. When I was growing up, you kids today, our only method of advertising was to be creative uh, or put a big ad in the yellow pages. Now you can, there's social media platforms, I don't even know what that means. 
And it's it's basically a tool for people to uh, shame other people, stalk other people, scam other people. And that's that's the negative side. What's the plus side? People love me. I've I'm in a group. People like what I say. They like it. They need this constant reassurance that their thoughts and their pictures and and their words are liked by other people. I said this yesterday. Did you like what I said? Did you like it? No. The, remember, I I said that the world should be a better place and we should be nice. Did you like that? Did you like that I said that? Did you like that? Oh, did you like what I said? I liked it. I, I clicked on a heart. I liked it. Okay, now shut up and get the hell out of here. I took a picture yesterday of my lasagna on a plate. Did you like it? Look at... Look at that. 50 people liked my picture of the lasagna on the plate. I am so reassured. I am so happy now. I can, I can live my life fulfilled. Social media, you know, it's been a gathering place for people of evil to uh, share thoughts and places to meet to destroy things. Um, it's, it's, uh, uh, how to make a bomb. Oh yeah. Okay, fine. Uh, Wonderful. And again, what are the good parts of social media? Are they absolutely necessary? You can stalk and shame people and children and you can ruin people's lives and identities and you can, you can steal their identity. This is a way to do that as well. You can hold uh, their internet for ransom and uh, again what are the good points of it again the good points are people liked what i said they liked me and also when it's my birthday everybody knows about it and again the good points about social i'm not kind of not understanding uh, Buying things online, okay, fine. Um, doctor on demand or whatever you call it. It's a Dr. Phil thing. Wait a minute. Uh, you know, where you can speak to your uh, doctor, you know, virtually. I virtually have a doctor. I virtually don't know one, but I virtually have one. I can sit in a chair and I can talk to my doctor in my house. Um, it's a way of making house calls, but they don't have to show up and I don't have to vacuum and put the dishes away and that kind of thing. I mean, there are good parts of it. That's online stuff. But the social media thing where people exchange uh, pictures of their organs and their private parts, and that's good how. And again, I do believe that the bad substantially outweighs the good. But it's too late because, again, we've opened Pandora's box. And her box will never be shut again. Pandora is no longer a virgin. It's all out. You can't put the toothpaste 
back in the tube. Try as you may, you can't do it. That's what happened with social media. Now it's a destructive tool, used more for destruction than it is to bring people together because the bringing people together thing ain't working too well. Well, Ron, that's not true. I lost a loved one and people supported me were by my side. Okay, that's maybe a good one, but compare it to all the bad things, it doesn't hold up. It's no reason to have the social media. And by the way, the picture of your lasagna, I hated it. Notice there's no hate uh, thing to click on. You can like what someone posted, but you can't hate it. Because we don't do hate on the internet. We only do love and like. Well, that's bullshit because we do the hate. If you've ever read an article online or something like that or a tweet, um, (laughs) as much as a couple of people may liked it, there are thousands that now call you a dirty, rotten bastard and you sick little piece of crap. The maligning and the hatred far exceeds any kind of love that's expressed in social media. The hate far exceeds that. Hate wins out on social media. I believe it's time for Lent. Unless your neighbor doesn't return to power tools, don't lend it. Is that what that's about? Oh, it's not? Oh, that's not what Lent is? Okay. Yeah, I, I lent him my... my uh, Yeah, my chainsaw, and I never got it back. No, that's not what Lent is, Ron. You give something up for Lent. I don't know. I guess it keeps us honest or something. Uh, And I heard one guy say on the news, uh, they said it was, was for some reason, giving something up for Lent is a news story. I don't understand it either. Um, (laughs) They said, this guy, what do you give up for Lent? And and he said, uh, social media. And I stood up and I applauded. I was alone, so it didn't matter. But I applauded him. I said, oh, good. You you know the deal. You know how toxic social media is and you're giving it up because it's something that you know is not a good thing, but you're stuck with it, but you're going to give it up for Lent. By the way, no one gives up sex for Lent. Have you noticed that? Not a popular thing to give up. Drinking, smoking, Eating too much, sugar, social media, sex, not on the list. Not on the list for giving things up for Lent. (laughs) It just doesn't happen. All right, kids. uh, We have an interesting guest coming up. You kids today. You kids today. Uh, Yeah, we have an interesting guest coming up. But first, uh, we have a commercial break. And then when we come back, uh, that guest uh, shall materialize. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We don't get to choose our family names. We're born into them, and some of them are, quite frankly, a little embarrassing. For many, a burden that follows them through life. If you've got an embarrassing last name, you may have thought about having it legally changed, but perhaps you thought it might be complicated and expensive. Well, I'm here to tell you that having your last name legally changed is simple, and cost-effective, 
and will take that lifelong burden away in just a few easy steps. Call me today, Attorney Jim Cockwaffle, with the offices of Cockwaffle and Comstein. We know what you're going through. Craig Taylor joins us now. He's an author, author of New Yorkers, which is an incredible book. I've been looking forward to speaking with you, Craig. Thanks for being with us. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, I'm from New York, so this uh, is of uh, special subject matter to myself. Actually, uh, when I read the book, I, I kind of got a little tingle in my body, like I felt like this is this is a love thing going on, <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, this is not the first time that you've uh, written into the world of uh, different locations, is it? No, I spent 13 years in London, England, and, and wrote a book called Londoners yeah. about, that, about that city, and then got the chance to, to head to New York. That's great. Why, why, why the fascination and why the subject matter uh, of these locations? Well, I was living in London. It was naturally fascinating to me looking at the people around me on the subway. And, um, and after that book came out, I was offered a chance to speak to 200 New Yorkers about life. And when you get that kind of offer, you better, you better take it because um, you, you can learn about everything in that city, as you, as you know. Are you a New Yorker yourself? Not at all. I come from uh, I come from Vancouver Island. I grew up on the west coast of Canada. I left when I was pretty young, but um, so I'm I'm definitely an outsider. I've, I was always an outsider in the city, but sometimes being an outsider means that New Yorkers will explain things to you often <laughs> at great volume. Um, many people that are listening to the show have not been to New York. And when we say New York, we're not necessarily talking about the whole state. We're talking about the city somewhat. Isn't that true? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it, when, when you go to New York for the first time, I've been told it's like, it's like a brick hitting you in the face. It's like, I, uh, this is, is this Disney World? I mean, it's, it's overwhelming in every sense of the word, yet it's so different. Uh, is, is it a culture shock for most people? Absolutely. And one of the strengths of a book like this is that you can have all of these different voices and these different point of views. So you can have the voice of a born and bred New Yorker who's known nothing else since birth. And then there's also the voice of a, of a young man named Antoine who takes the Greyhound bus from Arkansas and shows up at Port Authority and, and steps out into the energy of the city and, and feels it on in for the first time. So, so one of the things I love about this forum is that you, you can get that point of view as well as, as the point of view of, yeah. of others. But for many, it's definitely overwhelming. It's amazing because not only uh, people from this country, but uh, from all over the world, their first encounter is, is that same spot, uh, which is... Yeah, amazing. and again, there's, there, in the book, there's the chance to tell the story of, of new immigrants, first generation, second generation mm-hmm. immigrants of of people who are watching the city change, um, watching their neighborhoods change, uh, helping their neighborhoods change. It's, it's a great way to get that kind of collage of different, of different experiences because they're all there. Yeah. Especially if you like to eat. It's all. (laughs) Yeah. And if you ignore food in New York, you're like, what kind of book would, would ever do that? (laughs) The book starts with the five senses. It starts with people (laughs) talking about different senses and and there's a connoisseur in there who talks about, You know, you have to have strong food choices in the city. You have to know where to get the best things at all times. Yeah, it's true. I, it's 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 got everything. Um, it's it, I 
when I lived in New York, I met a lot of people who lived in Brooklyn, which is just across the Brooklyn Bridge, which is like right there. And yet, uh, this large number of people I knew in Brooklyn had never been to Manhattan, which is the you know the, <laughs> the downtown, the city area. Uh, they had it was like they were going to a different country. I, I could not believe that they were telling me the truth, but that's the case sometimes. Yeah, people are very attached to their to their boroughs, and oh and when you you know a lot of them talked about taking the train home, and you know you have a life perhaps yeah. you, you deal with Manhattan, and yeah. and for a lot of them it's that train home that takes them to Queens or the Bronx or yeah. or to Brooklyn, and and so the attachment to your neighborhood is uh, is a, is a fierce one. You, that's that's where you're from. Yeah. Huh. Um, do you plan to do any other cities? I'm not sure. I I think it takes a very long time to do these books. Um, it's about six years wow. meeting 200 people, you know, wow. getting to know people. It's a very invested process, and I wouldn't want it any other way. It's it's got to happen that way. You have to spend time with people. So I don't know if I uh, if I'll go off to uh, Fort Lauderdale or to uh, yeah. Tulsa or <laughs> another oh. place. Oh, yeah. if you we'll see. <laughs> If you have to, spend. what could you do after New York and London too? Right. That's the other question. I I figured you'd do Hawaii, stay there for six years, and you'd be happy. Maybe, and, maybe. <laughs> maybe is Fuji a city? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. okay. Um, New York is, has has not only is it the center of the universe in a sense, but it's had just about every nationwide tragedy you can think of. It's gone through a lot, and uh, we always do a a comparison between the the strength and resilience of of, of New Yorkers to going through hell sometimes. Yeah, there's definitely uh, a specific kind of New York resilience. And for me, it was, you know, the, there was the day-to-day resilience that a lot mm-hmm. of people um, showed, but then there was also this big-ticket resilience when the big things hit. And, um, you know, in the book, there's an account of a father and daughter who were clinging to each other in the Hurricane Sandy mm-hmm. floodwaters, and there's a, a 9-11 cop who's Who's dealing to this day with the with uh, degenerative nerve disease that's been brought on by mm-hmm. the toxins he encountered, and mm-hmm. and then obviously the healthcare workers are in the book, uh, you know, the ones who are wrapping the bodies of COVID patients. So there is a kind of resilience in New York that is profound, and um, and I remember saying to a New Yorker, you know, like when would you leave? And and he said, well, when something really big happens, then I'll leave New York, but not. Not just a terrorist attack, not just a pandemic, yeah. you know, not just a financial crisis. Something really big has to happen. And and that was the attitude I saw again and again was like, you know, you just had this resilience. You were there for a reason. And yeah. um, and when opportunity came, you, you had to step up. So yeah. it's there. It, it, it's also interesting what, it, what the city's gone through. Uh, in a sense, economically, and I, I don't know how much that was approached, but in the sense that it's it's almost prohibitive to live in New York City and have a decent lifestyle, uh, as opposed to decades and decades ago, where you didn't have to have a lot of money. There were a lot of different types of neighborhoods that you could exist very very well, or at least well in. But now it's like uh, an apartment is like a one bedroom apartment's over a million dollars. It just gets a little weird. Yeah, there was um, definitely a lot of 
the interviewees in the book spoke about that income inequality, yeah. that wealth divide, and there's a big section about the rich in the book where I don't really talk to the rich, the mm-hmm. super rich. They're often not the most interesting right. people to speak to, but <laughs> speaking to their nannies, their personal staff, mm-hmm. their sommeliers, that is where you get a sense of just you know, how much money it takes to, to be in the city and, and what happens, what your experience of New York will be if you, if you don't have that money, which is, yeah. which is very different and very different than it was 20 or 30 years ago. It is. On the other hand, there's, there's not a thing that doesn't happen through New York. Any, any concert, any performer, any, any food, any culture, any, anything is, uh, always goes through there. Always, uh, it's always there. Yeah, and that's the trade-off, I think, is, you know, people might not make a lot of money, but they want to experience this, the the unique nature of the city where you're given access to the most extraordinary people and you're, you're allowed proximity to, to things, to events and people um, you might otherwise never encounter. Yeah. So, so there is that trade-off of knowing that, that you might have to give up something to be there, but you are going to encounter a quality of life. Um, what Vivian Gornick calls the sheer taste of world that you might not encounter anywhere else. Yeah. Uh, it's a, uh, it's a fascinating book. Uh, can people follow you somehow? Not, not in a stalking manner. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, Twitter, my Twitter handle is C D L Taylor. And, uh, my website is Craig D as in Delta Taylor.com. So those are the best places to get in touch, but I'd love to hear from, from listeners who have their own experiences of New York. Yeah, uh, it's uh, New Yorkers, and uh, it's available everywhere. And uh, pick up his other uh, writings too. And who knows where he's going to be next? Uh, you don't know. You could pop up anywhere a few years later. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, okay. that'll be the surprise. Greg, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you so much for your time today. Well, that'll do it for me today. You've been wonderful. I'll be back again tomorrow with a brand new program. But until that time arrives, I wish you peace. Mm-hmm.